We're talking Lion Athletics. Each week, Tyler Thomas finds out what fuels their competitive fire. It's time for Coffee with Coaches on 90.9 The Lion. Welcome back to Coffee with Coaches. I've got Coach Jeremy White with me, the head women, the head volleyball coach here at Southeastern. And Coach, I've been meaning to try to get you on, and we've been trying to get this going, and happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we talk about you know this this Coffee with Coaches. It's kind of a sit-down show, and the intro talks about competitive fire and what, what it means to be a Division One coach and things like that. And, you know, the first question I want to ask you is, as a, as a Division One coach and, you know, you, you know, spending your life here, this is your job, what does it mean to be in this position? I mean, it's something that you work really hard to get to. I mean, you know, I started as a high school coach, really club and middle school even before that. And, uh, you know, I kind of worked my way into this position where we're, you know, not only were you know you made Division One, but it's also you're you're becoming successful at the level uh, that's that's the highest in our sport um, outside of going pro overseas or something like that. Which although we're getting some pro leagues here in in the states now, um, it's a big deal. I mean, it's something that I've worked really hard for the last you know close to twenty years for, and um, I had this opportunity and to do it in a place like Hammond and Southeastern is pretty exciting. That's awesome, Coach. You talked about it. You've worked. 20-something years to get here. Tell us a little bit about your history before Southeastern and what your journey was to get here. Well, I started off as a baseball player. I didn't even play volleyball until uh, I was a junior in college. I got the luxury of my advisor at McNeese, uh, was the volleyball coach there for about 15 years, and uh, he had stepped away to just teach and uh, kind of got me into the sport and started dragging me around, getting me playing, and then got me some coaching opportunities in the club level and the high school level, and uh, which allowed me to kind of branch out and kind of start to learn and do my own thing a little bit. And, uh, you know, I took that with Coach here at Barb for, you know, kind of an off and on six years and uh, and then turned around and had an opportunity to go to JUCO for a year. Um, the weirdest situation in my life where they started <laughs> a program in February hire our, us and the staff and then turn around and drop the program in November, which was kind of weird. But, uh, and I, had luck, you know, luckily I had made a, you know, impact at my time at McNeese when Ashley Fitzgerald was the assistant there for McNeese uh, while I was in school. And, and she gave me the opportunity to get into uh, Division One assisting. And so I coached there for a couple of years and then had the opportunity at Northwestern Oklahoma to be the um, head coach there. Um, people told me that was uh, going to be a career-ending job, which I thought was kind of funny. I never really felt that way about places, but uh, we had a really good run there with uh, two of the most successful seasons they'd ever had in their program, and then that led me to Southeast. And so the last <clears throat> five years, we've just been working on trying to turn this program into the premier program in the Southland, and uh, I think we've kind of done that. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, no one can argue with that back-to-back conference championships, which obviously we're going to talk about a lot in this episode. But uh, one of the questions I always have asked everybody, because, you know, all the coaches that come on here, they've all been different places. No one one starts as a head coach. And how does this position differ from your other positions? Um, I think every position differs strictly on your community, and your school niche and that's what I mean by that is like Hammond is very different than Alva Oklahoma or Lake Charles Louisiana and um, so it's a it's a slight 
difference in like what the university attracts in students um, as well as coaches, I think. And, and I think one of the things that you have to do if you want to be successful is, is find out what fits your university and, uh, and then go really after athletes and, and people who are going to work with you um, that fit in that area. You know, we had the luxury of bringing in Gabby Ording uh, when I first took this job, who I thought fit me, kind of the yin to my yang in regards to personality. Um, but she was able to come in, having been at Ruston with uh, La Tech and, and understanding how our at, you know, small town, small college town uh, feel would be. And uh, that was a big boon for me, having somebody who understood, not bringing in somebody who didn't really have a feel of how we were supposed to recruit or how we're supposed to Mm -hmm. um you know what kind of community involvement we were going to have and uh and really like what majors kids are going to be the most successful in or just want to do here and i think that's where some people do a great job and i've watched it and that's the people i've wanted to learn from and then i've watched other people you know try to come in and 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 do things like you might do and i don't know georgia state for example in downtown atlanta is very different than Southeastern yeah. in Hammond, Louisiana. So, he talked about Gabby Ording. She's gone on, and you know they had a great year this year. And so that's, that's, that's I love the coach the the web that coaching spins, and that's what I love talking about because everyone's mm-hmm. got those stories. Yeah, I mean she came in <clears throat> this year and was uh, very smart with her scheduling, like I told her to be, and uh, <laughs> I taught her about, and uh, you know ended up breaking the school record for most wins, which is exciting for her. I'm proud of her. She did great things for us while she was here, and I'm so pumped to see you know her already having success as a head coach. Yeah, so coach, obviously you've been almost every season you've improved since you've gotten here. Obviously there was the off year post COVID mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think it, looking at the looking at it most likely probably sparked how well you guys played in 2022. Yeah, that was a weird year, man. We had so the number of injuries. I think at one point in time we played five conference matches with nine healthy kids. We actually pulled a a walk on from the beach side of things just to try to keep, make sure we had an extra body. Um, it was, and it was the weirdest chain of injuries I'd ever had dealt with in my life. But yeah, I think we had brought in our, our young group that year and they were, you know, we, we dealt with the hurricane. We dealt with all the adversity. We dealt with the injuries bug and everything like that and still managed to make the conference tournament and, um, and, and put ourselves in a position where those athletes were then in 22 you know, not a group of kids who had never been there. And so getting into the position where we were, where even though it was still a stressful environment playing, now we were both at home. We had been to the conference tournament with everybody that was on our roster for the most part, or at least that was playing. Um, and that put us in a position where we could go be successful in a, an environment that really no Southeastern team has kind of been in since maybe the 90s. Yeah, and obviously – 53 and 13 over two years. I mean, that's an incredible record. And it started in that 2022 year. You made a huge jump. Conference favorite almost the whole year uh, right there. And it was huge transfer, and Kayla Newsom came in. And then you've mm-hmm. got that gritty group of veterans that you talked about building. And it kind of just felt like that team was really meshing together at the right times. Mm-hmm. And you make it to the conference tournament, and you win it. First tournament in program history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you used the perfect word was gritty because that's something we've really, you know, tried to to build. You know, we've kind of always, you know, felt like, you know, the the perfect culture for this 
for the state of uh, schools in the state of Louisiana is to kind of build one around food, faith, and family. Um, you know, we love food here in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of people of faith, and then you know, family matters. And so we've created that, and what it's allowed is, you know, by grabbing kids that that really bought into that, have bought into the mindset because they've lived that that culture. Um, on top of the fact that they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder because maybe they weren't recruited. Louisiana's not a heavily recruited volleyball state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they had a little chip on their shoulder. They had that little willingness to grind. And we and we also had a lot of kids with a lot of winning under their belt as well. We had, I think that particular team had 19 state championship rings on it. Um, and then that even count the number of uh, national championships. A lot of our kids had won at the club level as well. So you had a bunch of group, a group of kids that were just winners. Um, you know, Newsom came in and came back to us actually because she was here for her for the COVID year with us and then transferred to Wichita State. Probably the weirdest transfer in the entire country <laughs> to come back to the place she transferred from. But we knew the value of her and the, and the kind of person she was and uh, what we knew we would get out. And so we were excited to have her back. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we, it was a it was a putting together of a group that was uh, that was gritty, that bought into the culture that uh, you know knew how to win, and and it led us to having that success in twenty two. And then you, yeah, obviously you made it to the conference tournament. You won it. One of the questions that I, I asked Coach Gazzardo when she came on, and Coach Reams, and obviously Coach mm-hmm. Hayes, both winning conference championships themselves. How do you coach at that level at that tournament with all? I mean, the amount of pressures. I mean, going back home to after this tournament. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. imagine being there in that environment. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing you have to do is you have to try to manage emotions and you're going to have some athletes, you know, in 22, even though we'd had a lot of kids who'd quote unquote been there, right. They hadn't been there. They hadn't been to a Southland conference championship match or anything. And we, we played the first set like, like a bunch of people who hadn't been there. And uh, so it was really just about managing our athletes emotions. It's funny because usually I'm the, the, uh, the hyped up person on the sidelines in that game. And Coach Gabby was actually the one who was a little bit more like wound up on the side. So we had to kind of all calm ourselves down and put ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, in the mindset of, hey, it's, it's another match. We'd already, we've, we've beaten this team before. You know, we knew what it required of us to win. Um, and we got to do it in front of our home fans. And then, of course, again, this year, you know, now you're in a situation where the entire roster had already won one. And so we're back in that position where we've been here we feel confident in this situation, so it's just all about managing our emotions and just making it like any other match. And I think we did a great job of that this year, and we did a great job of that in probably the last two and a half sets or so of the uh, conference tournament or conference championship game in 22. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you win conference in the Southland, the NCAA tournament bid comes with it. You guys went to Minnesota, and talk about that experience going up there and just you know, being a part of that tournament and just how it was. Well, I will say it'd be nice if they would uh, not send us clear across the country every year because between Minnesota and Oregon, <laughs> I felt like, come on, guys, we could have traveled a little closer. But no, uh, it, it's a huge experience. I mean, not the reality is, is not everyone gets that opportunity when their four-year career. Not every coach gets the opportunity to do that as well. And we have a much longer career than the athletes do, so it's like, oh, well, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but the reality is, is like it's not something that you can take for granted, you know. So you have to go out and play, um, like it might be your last time ever getting to do it, because it could be very easily. And um, I thought our athletes, you know, each of the last two years, you know, did a phenomenal job of going out, 
um, you know, not being overwhelmed by the moment um, and just giving their best foot forward. I think, you know, we competed well in both of them against teams that are, you know, we're talking top 10 teams in the country both year that we got, both yeah. years we got number eight, the eighth seed overall and the sixth seed overall, which we can get into why the fact that we should not have been playing the sixth seed this year with our RPI situation we were in. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Minnesota was an experience. They were big, they were physical, and we just gritted it out. The number of emails and, and you know, um, messages on Twitter and Facebook and everything else that we got and, and Instagram from people watch, that watched that match was was overwhelming. Our kids, you know, were, were raved about for, you know, their composure and how they played and the effort they put in in that Minnesota match. And I think that really, I mean, it's it's been enough that off of one, that first NCAA tournament, we had enough respect given to us throughout the country that it's impacted recruiting in a major way. And that's kind of that's kind of the thing that we're seeing at Southeastern across the board is that, you know, at, at one point we weren't necessarily getting to that level, but now – Women's basketball made it last year. You mm-hmm. guys have made it two years in a row. Football's making it consistently to the mm-hmm. playoffs. They had an off year this year, mm-hmm. but consistently making it to the playoffs, becoming a national brand, getting a name like Titletown, mm-hmm. that comes off of just the work that you guys do. And it's impressive to see and watch, you know, as a broadcaster and stuff, yeah. that like the level at which this university is playing at around all the sports. Yeah, we have an awesome awesome coaching staff right now and as well as administration as you know the support that they provide us with and and um you know but the, the big thing comes down we have a lot of coaches that just get in there and just work hard um put together programs understand how to build programs and and how and understand how to build programs in our state i mean i feel like that's the big piece you know the majority of the women's basketball team is louisiana natives you got the majority of the Baseball team is Louisiana, Mississippi natives. Majority of softball, majority of football, like volleyball, everything. We're 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 growing it from within our state and within our region first, and we're doing it with people who value what our community is about, what Southeastern's about, what you know, what our you know our neck of the country is about, and uh, and I mean it's it's awesome to get to work with these guys because it's and and, and women, just because I feel like we're we challenge each other, not so much from a you know, we're, we're trying to like compete with each other for, you know, accomplishments, but we challenge each other by, you know, going into meetings and, and talking about things that are going to make us more and more successful as a university, as an athletic department. And then a little bit of like that back and forth, you know, me and Ayla kind of go back and forth about, hey, just trying to be like you, coach, just trying to be like you because yeah. of the success we've had here in the university center. And and um, and so it's it's an environment you don't always get in college athletics. There's a lot of places where it feels like there's a competition amongst sports and it never feels like that here at Southeastern. And that's kind of the thing you notice across the board. I mean, you go to a volleyball game. The women's basketball team is in the Big Cat seats or vice mm-hmm. versa. And it's kind of, you know, we're so tight-knit here. Every every facility is right next to each other. We're not far away. Mm-hmm. You're so tight-knit that it's like when the volleyball team wins, the women's basketball team is winning as well because mm-hmm. they, it feels like they're a part of the program as athletes. Yeah, I mean, these kids hang out with each other a ton, and they've built relationships amongst each other. So it's not just supporting the sport. It's 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 actually supporting the individual because they, they take the time to spend with each other. I know, you know, we've, you know, a lot of our athletes hang out with a lot of the uh, women's basketball team. I know we, you know, we've got, you know, some of our kids date kids on, you know, different teams and stuff as well. And then you've got, um, I know, like, Cicely Hidalgo, you know, went with some of our 
tennis people and stuff over overseas and into Europe and stuff this last summer. Like they value each other, um, you know, as individuals and as and understand the value of supporting each other as well. And um, it, it's a tremendous atmosphere to be a part of. You know, I've, we we had a similar situation when I was at Northwestern Oklahoma where it was it was pretty exciting um, to have that, but not quite on this level. And then now, of course. And not not to not talk about what our you know overall you know university administration does, but Dr. Wayne Wright being as, as many games as he possibly can. I mean, um, not a lot of times you get phone calls from the uh, the president apologizing for not being able to make the entirety of a match because he's got another obligation. But he yeah. wants us to know how much he values our sport and us as coaches and our athletes and things of that nature. And so that's that's unique, man. It it really is a unique situation here, and I can't keep reiterating that enough that um, it's the type of situation that keeps you here for long periods of time because you don't necessarily want to go you know get away from from that because it's it's such a valuable asset within your program and that's one of those things that you know often in this industry they talk about it the grass isn't always greener whether whether you know you're going to a bigger program or this or that the things that you're losing on the back end or whatever it may not always be what you're looking for on the other side. And you mm-hmm. see that a lot with athletes that transfer from places like this to mm-hmm. new places. There are new opportunities, obviously, but is what you're getting there as good as what you were getting here and obviously in a different sense than what they're thinking in their head? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, you know, everybody always wants the bigger, broader, glitzier kind of thing. And, uh, you know, and 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 – Every coach always dreams of the idea of maybe playing for a national championship or something like that. But the reality is, is very few get to do those things on a consistent basis. I mean, in volleyball, for example, we've only had seven schools ever win the national championship mm-hmm. in the entire history of the, of the sport and uh, col- at the college level and or the NCAA Division One level. And um, and so you can look for those opportunities all you want to, but the things that should be important, or at least I feel like personally is important to me, is is you know what kind of community is my family gonna you know grow up in my my children and things what kind of schools are they gonna go to what's the what's the value system of the community and the and the atmosphere you know how much access are my kids gonna have to you know you know my son and daughter can go run around on the court just about any time they want they get you know they can go get out on the f- baseball field they can walk around on the football pit field we, you know we've gone and thrown you know you don't all if I'm at you know Bam or something like that. Maybe I'm not sitting over there, you know, running onto the field with my children and stuff mm-hmm. in my off time throwing football. I don't know the situation at those universities, but I know what we have here, yeah. and and it's it's something to be to value from a coaching perspective. It's something to value from a from an athlete perspective, and I think the kids that we continue to bring in, I know for sure in our program, understand that. Yeah. So kind of switching gears, obviously keeping with what we're you're talking about, obviously college volleyball I wanted to ask you you know as a coach and a coach of a women's sport when you see something like obviously Nebraska having that big of an attendance at a volleyball game I mean I think the number was over 93,000 when you see something like that as a coach of a women's sport how does it make you feel about the where we're getting as a society where in the past you may have not seen and the women's sports may have not been as publicized or talked about, but now people are finally starting to see the value in those sports. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of that's on us. You know, I think the big, like, we're having a massive influx 
of, uh, of attendance numbers and viewership and things like that across the country because you know, we finally stopped complaining about what we didn't have and started focusing on what we do and started pushing our game into another level from from a grassroots perspective. You know, we've volleyball, for example, is now the most popular female sport at the high school level in the entire country. There's above track and field, above basketball, softball, every sport, because we've done such a phenomenal job of actually pushing it at that level. Um, and, and of course, beach helps. The addition of beach is a big, a big piece of it. Now we're seeing because of that, what was dying out, like the AVP and things like that, that were the, the domestic tours and stuff for beach volleyball that were dying away. Um, all of a sudden are boosted back up, especially in the state of Louisiana when you've seen, you know, Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth both from LSU. And it's like they have this different following now where, like, people will follow them all over the country to go play, and they're going to be in the Olympics this year. You know, you know, so that's an exciting situation for our sport in, in general. But, you know, a lot of it was I think we really got to the point where we're like, okay, we're going to go out and work for this. And then on top of that, you know, we're watching ourselves now. What I mean by that is like we're seeing a massive increase in viewership from the women's side of things. You know, we're, you know, so we're, you know, they talked about for the national championships. I want to say we had um, like 1.7 million uh, in uh, viewership for the national championship game, or maybe that was just each of the final fours. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, in those situations, the vast majority of those viewing it were women. And that is a, big piece because now we're supporting each other you know what i'm saying and like our you know the women are supporting the women's sport and stuff and i think that's been the big piece is you know it's for our sport in particular we don't have a big male uh following because it's not a overly popular male sport across the country although i would argue that once you get into the, the weird places like in the south and stuff like that where we all just play beach volleyball it's pretty it's a it's a pretty mm-hmm. pumped up male sport we we enjoy it um, but I think that's the big piece. I think we've we've now hit a different level of viewership where we're doing a, young kids, you know, young females are, are supporting older females and excited about them. These kids are becoming bigger and bigger um, faces. You know, our athletes are, are, are having bigger and bigger impacts on those. And so that increases the viewership, increases the support. Um, you know, the, the Nebraska situation is what we're talking about. You know, that is, I mean, Nebraska is the biggest name you know Texas as well. Those two, you know, schools are the biggest names in our sport. Um, and the, you know, when you get to see them play in the national championship game together, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's going to drive viewership as well. But then, you know, we're not even getting, the absurdness of ninety three thousand people watching. I think they had more people at that match, at that single match, than they had at any of the football games during the season. For Most Nebraska. likely, some of them combined. I'd imagine. <laughs> I would I imagine, and that's that's a big piece, and and. And that's what's also been able to drive what's now occurring in our sport, which is we now have two or three pro leagues that have significant amounts of financial support behind them to help them last. Um, we just got to keep pushing for it. We got to keep fighting. And it's a our sport, in particular, is a, a spectator sport that a lot of people are getting involved in. You're seeing, you know, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese drive the narrative for women's basketball. We're seeing the same stuff happen in Oklahoma, you know, softball, which has been crushing people for the last mm-hmm. few years. Um, so we just got to keep with that momentum. Um, and it's exciting to see. It's exciting that we're seeing our sports get on, you know, national, you know, media channels more often now. And so hopefully we can figure out how to keep doing it um, and, and kind of push the, 
you know, the upper level, you know, viewership down into the mid-major level. Absolutely. So forgive my long-winded answer there. Oh, no, that's exactly what I was hoping for. That was a great answer. And obviously, we're going to move now to what's going on now. And this may be something that the viewers may not really know much about because it's a Mm -hmm. little different than regular volleyball. Kind of explain the difference, the key differences in beach volleyball as opposed to indoor volleyball. Well, beach volleyball, you have to look at it on, on two perspectives. You have to look at it from just the individual match level, which means we're playing, you know, pair on pair. So you've got two people on the court. You're playing on a smaller court. It's a we call a short court. It's about 26 and a half feet by 26 and a half feet or eight by eight meters instead of the 30 by 30, a la nine by nine meters uh, that you see on the indoor big court. Um, so in that perspective, less people, more contacts from the individual athletes, more court to cover, even though it's a smaller court by the individual, um, you know, and so, and then it's probably, it's a less, I won't say less aggressive game, but it's a less big attack game as it is more of a shooty ball control kind of game where we're, we're coming in and hitting high line shots and cut shots and things like that, which aren't going to land on the indoor court very often because you have more people covering that space. Um, but then you move from just the individual match perspective to the the duel itself, which is the five pairs on five pairs and the best of five, which is kind of set up in a similar perspective to what tennis is like at the college level, where we are, you know, each we have our ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives pairs, and of course our alternates that are playing as well, but they don't count towards the overall score. Um, but those individual matches amongst those pairs matter because we need to win three out of the five in order to win the duel so when you see our record um, it doesn't necessarily mean that our you know ones pair is you know we're one and three currently but our ones pair is three and one Mm -hmm. they've won three out of their four matches that they've played but we haven't you know finished the job in you know the same number of duels and so that's where it gets kind of exciting because you've got these individual you know these 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 pairs across the board that are having to take care of their business. But then as soon as that match is over, their match is over, they're hustling over to get to one of the other courts and get excited for their teammates and, and, you know, and trying to really, you know, cheer them on and drive them on because that match matters just as much to the overall scheme of things. And I kind of, you know, obviously it's a sport that it's newer. Oh, 2018, uh, Mm -hmm. when you were hired, actually, that was, Mm -hmm. you know, introduced that sport and, you know, maybe not a lot of people know about it. And also, for the from the Southeastern perspective, you guys only have one home tournament this year. Not a lot of opportunities to see them here. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, you've got an opportunity this year in March mm-hmm. to, you know, have some fans come out. What would you say to them that want to come and watch something like that, you know, and you know, come out to North Oak Park? Um, I mean— Come out and see something that's you know that you're probably not used to seeing. I mean, beach is an all day love affair. I mean, it is eight in the morning, so we'll be done around seven p.m. that night um, because it'll be multiple matches. Everything we do at the beach level is it's not a lot less individual matches or duels. It's more along the lines of um, you know you can play a lot of tournament situations. So every weekend our kids are out playing. Um, but March eighth and ninth at North Oak Park we host here. It's the first time we've hosted a full on you know multi day tournament. Here on campus, it'll be um, us, Central Arkansas, McNeese, Texas A&M, Kingsville, and Spring Hill College. Um, so, you know, some local, you know, groups, and then but also some. Uh, so you'll see a lot of Louisiana kids and stuff as well, because Spring Hill has a pretty large Louisiana roster, uh, you know, following in their roster. Mm-hmm. McNeese as well. 
Um, and then, of course, the two, you know, Texas and Arkansas schools coming in. And, of course, us. But, um, you know, we play, I want to say we're at 1 and 5 p.m. are our matches uh, each day. Um, but, I mean, the big piece of it is, I mean, it's it's kind of fun. You know, we, we joke around with some of our parents for the team that they like it a lot more than their kids do because they get to go hang out at all these beach places. You know, we are at White Sands in, in New Orleans last weekend. Um, you know, and it's, of course, it's a beach bar. So you're out there playing, watching beach volleyball, hanging out, having a nice cocktail or anything like that while you're enjoying the, the sunny rays and everything. And so um, same situation, you get to come out, kind of hang out, be in that kind of beach vibe atmosphere and, and just watch some, you know, a fun sport, get after it. And uh, you get to do it all day. So it's not like you get to just, you want to come out for a couple hours. You want to spend your entire afternoon out hanging out at North Oak Park, watching multiple matches. Go for it because it'll be rolling all day long. Same thing on Saturday. So that's the kind of the difference I think is is, is that is it's a you come to an indoor volleyball match for a few hours, a couple hours. Sometimes we'll, some of our matches this year lasted about an hour and twenty, mm-hmm. so a little faster than normal. Um, here at beach, you're gonna get to see it all day long. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be you get to go enjoy the hopefully warm weather that we have. It seems like it's been a little bit better for us recently this year. So um, yeah, we invite everybody out to come see it. Um, we also technically host at Youngsville the next weekend, <clears throat> similar to how our softball team has the Mardi Gras Mambo out that way. And then um, we also play a lot of locally. We'll play um, our seventh weekend is at, uh, or eighth weekend now, I think about it, actually is uh, at LSU. We play fifth weekend, which will be what? Next weekend is third weekend. Fourth weekend will be at Youngsville. Fifth weekend will be in New Orleans for the, um, Southeast uh, Southland uh, mid-year event. So a lot of opportunity to watch us play without having to go very far to do it um, over the next few weeks. Well, that's awesome, Coach. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was a fun episode, learning a little bit about Beach, but obviously talking about the inner workings of a phenomenal year. Back-to-back conference championships. Thank you for coming on, Coach. No problem. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, so that's it for this episode of Coffee with Coaches. We'll see you next week. Line up.